Welcome to Ghost of a Podcast. I'm your host, Jessica Lignato. I'm an astrologer, psychic medium, and animal communicator, and I'm going to give you your weekly horoscope and no bullshit mystical advice for living your very best life. Schmuppies and kittens, I have a fantastic question that I think is a a really well-timed one for me to have gotten, and it's by Oh So Shy. And they say, First of all, thank you for the amazing work you do. I recently learned to understand astrology after a friend pointed me to your podcast. I've been learning at a 200% pace since then. What a game changer. Thank you. So here's my question. I am a super lucky person when it comes to friends. I'm so damn good at friends. When it comes to romance, however, my life is a bit of a desert. And when it's not a desert, it's filled with fears, paralysis, and shame. Maybe it's a weird question, but apart from the paralysis, I don't understand the difference between friends and romances. Why am I good at one and not the other? Is it possible to transfer the skills from friends to flirts? Thanks a million. Oh, so fucking shy. So, oh, so shy was born April 2nd, 1983 in Gentofle, Denmark. I am confident that I fucked that up and said it wrong. I'm just doing it. I'm just going with it. I fucked it up. I'm sorry. Now, unfortunately, Shai, you did not tell me your time of birth. That was a mistake you made. But it's one I'm willing to overlook because I really love your question. Without an exact time of birth, it is not possible to draw or read a birth chart. Them's the rules, see? You need a time of birth to see the birth chart. If you are using an app or meeting with an astrologer and you give them a guesstimation, that is not going to give you an accurate birth chart. Sorry, Charlie. That said, when you have a birth date, what you have is your planetary alignment. You can see where the planets were and what natal aspects you have, aka what the math is between the planets that would be in your birth chart and exist on the day of your birth. So there's a lot of data we can extrapolate. It is not all the data. And certainly there's a lot that I'm missing. But let's start with something that I think is particularly interesting, which is that on Shai's birthday, there was a Pluto-Saturn conjunction. Now, Pluto was in the sign of Libra and Saturn was in Scorpio. It's what's called an out-of-sign conjunction. And what that means is in birth chart readings, we look at aspects. And aspects are the mathematical relationship, the geometrical relationship between planets. We use something called a seven-degree orb. Let's say you have a planet at zero degrees Scorpio. Well, anything at zero degrees, one degree, two, three, four, five, six, or seven, that's a natal aspect of Scorpio. That makes sense, right? Going forward. But you'd also go backwards. So the sign before Scorpio is Libra, right? And so that means the 29th degree, the 28th degree, the 27th. You see where I'm going with this. It would pull you back to 23 degrees of Libra. Anything from 23 degrees of Libra to seven degrees of Scorpio. That there, my friends, is an aspect. I think it's particularly interesting when planets are conjunct each other or forming an aspect to each other and they're out of sign. It does mean something different than when they're in sign, when they're in the same sign. And the difference is, you know, if you guys are really interested in that, you can send me that question and I can answer it in one of the How the Sausage is Made episodes. But I think it's particularly interesting that this week, as we have a Saturn-Pluto conjunction exact, so when we're looking at transits in the world, we use a three-degree orb. Aspects in the birth chart, we use a seven-degree orb. But that said, Shy was not born when this transit was exact, but it is a natal aspect. And this is also happening by transit this week in the world. So it's just a nice little interesting connection. Now, 
shy because I don't know your time. I'm limited, but but I can say this. First of all, you have a stellium in Sagittarius. You've got Uranus, the moon, Jupiter, Neptune, all in the sign of Sagittarius. You're in Aries, but you've got the sun, Mercury, and Mars all in Aries. That, my friend, is a whole lot of fire. A whole lot of fire. And the thing about that fire is it's dynamic and passionate and excitable. And the thing about friends is you can be dynamic and passionate and excitable with your friends and they either respond in kind and it's compatible and it's simple and they like you and they want to play or they don't like you and they don't want to play. And it's clean and it's clear because you understand it. It's obvious. The thing about love and like and dating and flirting and crushing is that it's not clear. The rules of the game aren't clear. You know, there's all this pressure to not come on too strong or to pace yourself. And the reason why this pressure exists for people is because of other people, because not everybody can move as fast as you. Not everybody is excitable and as fun as you. Not everyone can be as optimistic and positive as you. And it does look like you can be really optimistic and positive at the same time. Because you have this Saturn-Pluto conjunction, you're someone who is really deep. You feel things really deeply. And when it comes to friendship, once the closeness is established, you know what to do. You know how to show up. And, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if actually you sometimes have a hard time dealing with really difficult or um, kind of messy things. But the truth is that if you're really clear that that's what your friend wants or needs from you, then you can do it. Here's where we get into trouble because. When we start talking about dating and having crushes, what we're talking about is a million things that are out of your control and a need for you to stay present and in your body as you get to know someone, right? And that's where your Saturn-Pluto conjunction really messes you up to make your life more complicated. Um, You have Mars in your birth chart opposite Pluto and Saturn. Now, The house placement for all this stuff is super important. I'm obsessed with houses, especially for outer planets. So that's an important detail. But honestly, Saturn-Pluto opposite Mars is going to be intense in any house. And Mars is related to the fornicating part of your sexuality. Mars governs like the chemistry, the sexual chemistry that you experience with people. And while you are a really dynamic person and you love running with feelings and you love running with excitement, When other people are involved, when it's not just your fantasy life, when other people are involved, you are out of control. And your big Pluto issue, and when I say Pluto issue, whenever we have a Pluto issue, it involves shame. It involves kind of a resistance or judgment to your own vulnerability. And it involves often trauma, either inherited trauma or trauma from actual lived experience which I could not speak to without knowing the houses and the rest of your birth chart. But whenever we have Saturn involved, what we're dealing with, again, related to inherited issues from the parents or grandparents. So it's kind of like a closer line of heredity. And it's a control issue. Saturn's survival mechanisms try to stop things in their tracks, try to control things. So you're controlling your behavior or you're controlling your reactions. That's what that Saturn-Pluto is compelling you to do with this opposition to Mars. And the problem with that is that's your fucking magic, right, Shy? Like your magic is actually that you're weird and wild. But when it comes to crushes or anything that really involves your body and your sexuality, IRL, 
then it's hard for you to let yourself really flow because you're trying to keep yourself safe. And so the question really is, when I look at it, that Saturn-Mars opposition certainly can suggest shyness. It can represent shyness. But the rest of your chart sure as hell doesn't. (laughs) The rest of your chart doesn't suggest that you're shy at all. I think what it is, is that you are really controlling. You're really, really controlling. But you don't like to control other people because you believe earnestly with all that Sagittarius, you believe in freedom. But when you feel scared, your control issues get engaged. And falling in like or love is scary as all hell. That's just real. Falling into bed with someone can be really scary, especially if you're sober. So really, when I look at this, the answer to your question, why are you so good at friendship and have such a hard time putting yourself out there and really experiencing love stuff, it's straight up fear and a willingness to be vulnerable. With your friends, I see that you have intimacies and closeness and they're fun and they're supportive, but you ultimately have control of yourself. You feel a sense of control of yourself. My sense is that when you are dealing with crushes, you don't feel in control of yourself. And so you start to shut down. And that's the paralysis you're referring to. That paralysis is a response to fear. It's a response to shame. And it's very effective. That's right. It's very effective. So here's the problem. When we have coping mechanisms that are highly effective, it's hard to compel our survival mechanisms to change their damn mind and then change their actions. So hard. The reality of the situation here is your survival mechanisms are keeping you safe. You feel out of control. You feel threatened. You feel shame. You feel scared. Okay. So then your survival mechanisms shut everything down. You no longer have access to your feelings. You no longer feel that spontaneity that is your happy place to act from. So your behavior ultimately is uncharacteristically controlling and rigid, right? Which you don't enjoy feeling. So you quickly determine that you don't have a crush or that the crush isn't sustainable or that your crush may be a crush, but it's not good with the other person. And there's no point in going towards it because it feels so bad. The work of this is not about figuring out other people. And I was really happy that you weren't asking me about that. What it is, is you being willing to tolerate your fears and to engage honestly and openly with the ways in which you are a controlling, rigid person. Mm. That's hard because the rest of you is so fucking dynamic and excitable and fun and flow. Flow like fire, you know, let's burn it down. Let's let's build it up. Let's heat it up. You know, there's a way that you really are so dynamic. And this is one place where not so much. Is it possible to transfer skills from friends to flirts? Yes and no. The part of you that is a dynamic flirt with your friends, of course, is this it's you. It's just you. So could you decide magically that you're going to be comfortable and confident in your own skin and that you're comfortable and confident around falling in love with someone or falling in like or being vulnerable or wanting something with someone that they don't want back? Of course you could. Sure. Yes, yes, yes. Is it that simple? Hell the fuck no. If it was that simple, you would have figured it out by now. When your survival mechanisms get engaged, when you feel that vulnerability, they go to work and they work very well. They stop you in your tracks. So what you're going to have to do is dismantle that survival mechanism. 
in the very nature of a survival mechanism is when you dismantle it, it gets stronger because it's there for your goddamn survival. So my dear, the work of this is to build up tolerance for fear. You want to build a new survival mechanism, a new coping mechanism alongside the old one. And what that means is tolerating feeling shut down, tolerating the judgment and the shame and being interested in those things. So here's the thing about Saturn and Pluto when they meet. They give us so much pain. Truly, it's it's true. It, it's a real hard aspect to have in a birth chart. But what it also does is it gives you the capacity to move fucking mountains. That's right, Shy. Moving mountains. And this inside of you is a really big mountain. And it may be a kind of a shitty mountain and a difficult mountain, but you have within your nature the very tools you need to overcome this. Problem is you need to want it. And currently, what you want more than wanting love and intimacy is comfort in your own skin. That actually feels more compelling to you than the potential you may or may not get from dating, right? And so this is something for you to work on. Do you want to do the work now for cultivating the willingness and ability to be vulnerable? to feel scared, and to stay in it. My vote is for yes. I think I think it's a great goal because it takes years to make this kind of change. And you're at a, a really good age to be doing this kind of work because you're mature enough and you're old enough to know that you want it and to know that it's worth it to you. And you're also young enough that you got lots of space and time in front of you. And that shit, that's good. That is a valuable thing. Now, a big part of this is really about learning how to let go. And it's not letting go of the desire to have love or the desire to be safe. It's about letting go of your attachment and your story around what it needs to look like or even what it needs to feel like as you step in that direction. You know, I've said this before and I'll say it a million times again. They don't call it stepping intentionally and gracefully into love. They don't call it stepping carefully into love. They call it falling in love. You get her. <laughs> it is uncontrolled. They call it a crush because it crushes you. It's hard. We just, we kind of stumble under the weight of our feels. There's a reason why language went in that direction when describing these forms of intimacy. There's something wrong with you for being scared. You're wise to be scared. It's scary. The question is, do you want to let those fears dictate your choices and your life? And the good news is, I think you're asking the question because the answer is no, you don't. And also, if you decide that you do, that's okay. You are allowed to self-determine in this life and decide whether or not you want romantic and sexual intimacies over the course of your life and what they need to look like. My guess, because Saturn and Pluto oppose your Mars... And my guess is also because of all that damn Sag, there's this very strong drive inside of you to move fast and furious and like make things happen and make things secure. And then as soon as that happens, your desire for space and autonomy rears its head. And so for you, moving slowly so that you make sure that A, you like them, B, you are compatible with them, and C, you have let them get to know who you really are so that they can decide whether or not they like you. Because here's the rub. If someone really likes you because you've been successfully pretending to be chill when you're really intense, or you've been pretending to be intense about things you really don't care about or whatever it is, then they don't really like you. And you should know that early on. You know, be yourself. If somebody doesn't like you for being yourself, that's way better than somebody liking you for being fake. 
right? Trust me on this one. Trust me. Now, the work of all of this is to make decisions and to be compassionate and kind and gentle with yourself as you move through the consequences of those decisions. You know what I'm saying? And I think you do. I think you're ready for this. I really do. Now, part of why I think you're ready for this is because you wrote the damn question. Part of why I think you're ready for this is because Uranus has been opposing your natal Saturn, which has been just shaking up the rigidity inside of you that has kind of kept you protected, kept you safe in a way that ultimately has kept you limited and stuck, right? Also, 2019 has been a lot for you. You've gone through a bunch of Saturn transits. And you have, you know, one more coming for you in 2020. And it's also confronted you with some of the results of your behavior or your lack of behavior, right? And this is just, you know, it's just life. Saturn transits, the reason, part of the reason why they're so hard on us is because they kind of force us to sit alone with ourselves. And that's what you're doing. And it may be kind of <laughs> difficult, but it's actually, it's compelling you to do the work that needs to be done, which is beautiful. And it's exciting. And it's scary. And it's worth it. Sweet, beloved friends, it's time for us to talk about the astrology of dun, 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 January 12th through the 18th, 2020. You know why I made that sound? Partially because I like a little drama and largely because it's that Saturn-Pluto conjunction we've been talking about. You know, I think I have loaded you up with lots of data about it, but there's still stuff to talk about. As I've mentioned before, I have dropped an episode that is a glance at 2020 year ahead, and that touches on the Saturn-Pluto. Also, I have a bonus episode, Ghost of a Podcast, on Patreon for Patreon puppies only. And in that particular episode, I do focus on not only the more personal implications of this transit, but also I give you tarot tricks and tips. Tips and tricks. Why not? So, you know, you can head over there if you're in the market for some of that. So on the 12th, we have the Saturn conjunction to Pluto in Capricorn. We also have Mercury conjunct Saturn and Pluto. Did you know that part? Did you know it? The sun's real close. Uh, not there yet. It will be exact on the 13th. The sun will be exactly conjunct Pluto and Saturn on the 13th. You know, it's still a conjunction on the 12th. It's just not exact in the same way that those other planets are exactly on top of each other. So the 12th and the 13th are no joke. What you want to know is that your survival mechanisms are likely to be engaged at this time. And whenever we have our survival mechanisms engaged, we are more likely to act in ways that reflect our past experiences or our old coping tools that we've already done so much work to get out of instead of the person that we are and the person that we hope to be or we intend to be. And so the way to make the most of this time is to breathe. Yeah, I know. I said it before. Breathing is so valuable. It really is. Remembering that you are here in this moment and whatever is happening is happening and you can't figure out what it's going to mean or what's going to come next. But what you can do is breathe. Get into your body and be a good friend to your body, to your brain, to your heart, to your soul. That doesn't mean be perfect. It doesn't mean be okay if you're not feeling okay or if you're in some sort of difficult situation. But it does mean making choices, no matter how small they are, to take care of yourself, to get present so that you are more free and able 
to access your resources. Those resources may be clarity of thought. It may be skills or tools that you need. It may be people who are available to support you. I don't know. It could be any number of things. But when Pluto is involved in a conjunction to Mercury or to the Sun, it makes us really compulsive. It makes us really inclined to be obsessive about our most powerful ideas and our most powerful reactions instead of our most wise ones. Our strongest feelings are not likely to be the most reliable at this time. What you say, what you do, what you don't say, and what you don't do will have long-term consequences. And it's important that you act in integrity. And if you can't, it's important that you take yourself out of the situation. Nothing that you say today out of some sort of fit of passion or defensiveness wouldn't be better improved by saying it in a couple of days if you, can, if you can hold off. And you're allowed to have boundaries. Maybe that's, in fact, what your lesson is, is how to conserve your energy. Conservation, that's Capricorn. How to conserve your energy, how to conserve your safety, your resources by acting in tandem with where you're at at this time and what you're capable of at this moment. Another thing that I can tell you about these transits is because Saturn is involved, you are likely to see scarcity. You are likely to feel scarcity. You're likely to feel stuck or find yourself pushed in a corner by something or someone that wants something from you that you don't want to give or that you can't give. That's a lot, you know? That's a lot. If this is hitting your chart directly, so if you have something in your birth chart, 21, 22, 23 degrees of either Capricorn, Cancer, Libra, or Aries, you're really going to feel it. And honestly, this could be catharsis. This could be healing. This could be you letting go of an ex that you've just really been tethered to for some unpleasant reason. This could be healing childhood trauma. This could be breaking through some sort of issue that you have in relationship to your relationship to money. It could be anything. It could also be something negative. It could also be something scary, but it can also be healing because here's the thing, Saturn and Pluto, Saturn and Pluto, they're so intense. They're so demanding. They bring up such powerful feelings, but they also give us the tools we need to heal. You don't have to be perfect. You don't need to know what comes next. What I want to encourage you to do is to embody your humanity in the most sustainable and kind and considerate way that you know how. And what that means is not just taking care of you as an individual and not sacrificing you as an individual. It's hard. This is hard, but it's supposed to be hard. And thank God we have Saturn and Pluto kicking our asses, right? Because if we didn't have Saturn and Pluto kicking our asses, then we would stay stuck and we would not heal from trauma. And we need to. If world events are scaring you, if world events have dragged you down, I want to say to you, my dear loves, find your agency. Find a thing that you can do because you can't fix it, but you can find a thing that you can do, a thing that you can do to increase your sense of stability, your sense of safety, to be a part of the solution. And don't be a hero. You don't need to be a hero. You can just do your part. I find this very difficult. This Capricorn energy, it makes us want to be perfect, right? Capricorn really gets compelled around perfection. It's like either I'm all the things or I'm nothing. That's very Plutonian and Saturnian in different ways. So you don't have to be everything. You're not nothing. You are here. You are valuable. 
And it is your job to care enough about your value to act from that place, not only because you deserve it, which you do, but also because when you value yourself, it is far easier to treat others with value and care and to recognize when you fail to do that and to be humble and make your amends. Real talk. I really think this is sustainable. It just requires our participation. And we're all going to do it in our own way. You know, uh, Capricorn's not going to do it the same way as a Pisces. That's cool. That's fine. Leos don't have to be Geminis. Why would you? We all get to be our own thing, our own way. What you want to do is be yourself and be the best version of yourself that you know how to be from wherever you're starting from at this moment. That's that's the work, my loves. I wish that was all. There's more. On the 15th, Venus forms a sextile to Uranus. That's kind of cool. Uh, it's just a dynamic a transit. I honestly don't think anyone's going to feel it. Maybe. I think it's going to get lost in the shadow of that heavy looming Saturn-Pluto stuff. But it's good for socializing. It's good for connecting. It's good for relating to others more creatively and reviewing your value system. So get on it, you know. And then also this week, Venus moves into Pisces and Mercury moves into Aquarius. So there's a shifting of energy. Again, I don't think you're going to feel it that much, um, not this week, because there is so much else happening. And, you know, I am of the mind that when fear is engaged or your survival mechanisms are engaged, that kind of overshadows other things. And that's just kind of not because of astrology. It's because of how humans are wired. You know, when we're in our flight or fight mechanisms, when we're in anxiety or fear, we don't notice, you know, necessarily a lovely sunset or we don't have the capacity to take it in all the time. Right. That Venus exile to Uranus is kind of a lovely sunset. Maybe it's a lovely sunrise. Doesn't matter. Not in this context. Also, that Venus moving into Pisces is lovely, it's empathetic, it's generous. We need that. I love it. You might not notice it this week, but it's a nice transit. Mercury in Aquarius is really great for making connections, figuring things out, being inventive, and seeing things from outside the box. I don't know. I kind of hate that expression, but I'm going to say it anyways, outside the box. So we need all these things. That's great. And, you know, you might be able to tap into it a little bit more next week because these transits will last for a little minute. So there's that. Now, the final transit I want to tell you about is on the 18th of January, 2020, and it is a Mercury square to Uranus. Mercury square to Uranus can make us a little accident prone. Mercury square to Uranus or Mars square to Uranus will do it. But the thing about Mercury is it governs your bicycle and walking you know, it can kind of coincide with being so distracted that you don't pay attention to what you're doing. So if you've got, if you're a cyclist, wear your helmet, pay attention, okay? Mercury square to Uranus is kind of an irritable transit. It can be upsetting. It can make you just super distracted all over the place. It can also find you figuring things out because you're willing to look at them from a new vantage point, a more creative vantage point. Because this is happening alongside all this other shit, it may be that whatever you weren't saying because you were trying to take my advice, <laughs> uh, it just comes out around the 17th, 18th, 19th, maybe even the 16th. You just blurt it out. Mercury square to Uranus may find you gossiping and it'll come back at you or somebody will say something that they weren't supposed to say. Maybe it's you. This can be upsetting for your friendships. You know, you might send someone a text that was not meant for them. This is a time where you just want to pay attention to what you're doing and the good side of this transit is it can change your mind. Be open to changing your mind. 
seek different answers, talk to different people, read different news sources, whatever it is, be open-minded. That is the positive potential of this transit. The negative potential of this transit is that you will be so closed-minded because you believe that your way is the right way, therefore you don't have to think of it from another angle. And that is not actually going to serve you at this time, especially on the heels of all this Saturn-Pluto shit. Strive to be open-minded. And I'm not saying to be without boundaries. I'm not saying to be without discernment. Open-minded means you're able and willing to receive different ideas and to evaluate them, to explore them, and then come to your own determination, which if you don't have to come to a determination before the 20th, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. But you know, you could. Nobody knows. Play it out. That's the fun thing about Uranus. It is the unpredictable planet. That's its damn move. My loves, Fast and Furious, that is your horoscope for the Saturn-Pluto conjunction week. I hope you are taking care of yourself and others. And as always, I want to ask if you like this podcast that you star it and subscribe to it and, you know, review it on whatever platform. But really the most important thing in my heart and life right now is my book. So excited about this. I cannot tell you how meaningful and powerful and beautiful and just... I don't know, emo it is for me to see how many of you are sharing images of yourself with the book, with your cats, highlighting parts that you like. I just, it means so much to me. And I know we're all in this world where it just seems like everything's disingenuous. And it's just, writing a book is, it's like a, it's a birth of, of sorts. And it's really just been a surprising experience the whole way through. And I'm just so thrilled to share it with you. And I'm so thrilled that I get to meet people who are reading the book and like like my work and want to connect because I really do think of us as a community. And I want us to get bigger, not me to get bigger. I want us to get bigger. Those of us who are willing to connect with others based on our humanity. Let's Let's expand. So thank you to all of you who've bought the book. And, you know, if you are the kind of person who writes reviews or gives stars on whatever, you know, online platform that you buy books from, it means so much. And it's such a huge gift to write a positive review for an author. So, you know, if if you have the instinct to write me a positive review, I wouldn't kick it out of bed. Know what I mean? I'll talk to you next week, puppies. Bye. Every year they say the end is near. We're still